Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the Cage Fight Podcast. We are officially in round two. Damn, 20. Damn, the, the terrible 20s is what they're going to call this, because the bracket from here on out is dog shit. These movies are all bad. Yeah, from now on, it's only bad things that will happen to us on here. <laughs> yeah, definitely the first part of the bracket was all good. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, If this podcast is 20, it's officially uh, one too many to date Leonardo DiCaprio. So that's... <laughs> Pretty oh, cool. God. And it's two too many to date a libertarian. <laughs> it's, it's, about, it's four or five too many. <laughs> it's about seven or eight too many to date Brian Singer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Getting the Brian Singer talk in early. Uh, <laughs> X-Men Apocalypse it. streaming now on HBO. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Did he actually direct the Apocalypse? I'm not sure. Uh, he definitely did Days of Future Past. Yes. Um, I don't know about anything after that, though. I don't think he directed Loki. No, I don't think so. See, I. But there was a small child on that, so maybe he did. I feel like I talked about this in the last episode, but I haven't seen any of them past like the last stand besides the one that that, that is Japan, a crying but... fucking shame because there's a, some actually good X-Men I'd... movies past last stand. Like I said, Days yeah. of Future Past and Logan are fucking incredible. I, yeah, I like those movies a lot. They're I've really amazing. just never been much of a superhero movie person aside from I, I like the Dark Knight I movies because I'm a I will on this say shit. If, if you don't like and, most superhero movies, you'll like Logan. Logan is very subversive for most like yeah, superhero movies. Definitely. It is really depressing, but a fantastic film. Yeah, and he like slices dudes' heads off and shit. It's yeah, like it's uh, hyper violent. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. But yeah, uh so we started off off topic like we usually do uh but this time we're talking about raising arizona and deadfall one that we've covered before already uh returning that, favorite yeah returning favorite literally do think it might be my favorite movie that's come up so far I in this fucking bracket in the first couple rounds oh okay in the first couple rounds i was gonna say if that's your favorite one so far we got some fucking problems let me tell you <laughs> look I, a lot of those movies were just plain fucking bad oh i bet I, they were <laughs> I was not anticipating how much fun it was going to be to rewatch Deadfall, but it was, uh, spoiler alert, a delight. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, so, Raising Arizona is a movie that came out in um, 1887 and is directed by Leonard and Andy Cohen. Uh, it's so close. <laughs> All of that was so Okay, yes. Raising Arizona. So, this movie came out in 1987, uh, rated PG-13, directed by Joel Cohen of the Cohen brothers. Um, but the two brothers wrote it together, Joel and Ethan Cohen. Which is a pretty common thing for them. Joel's usually the director, whereas Ethan is usually the producer. Oh, I thought they usually both directed. No, it's like Joel usually is the director, I believe. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, you're probably familiar with the Cohen brothers, but if you're not, they made like Fargo and Big Lebowski and No Country for Old Men and... And some oh. other smaller, more critical, uh, critically acclaimed films, even like Inside Lewin Davis and... <clears throat> Yeah. Lady Killers, the one that everyone loves and remembers. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. Um, one movie they Miller's didn't... Crossing. Yeah. Uh, I just watched that movie recently, actually. And also uh, the True Grit remake. Super Irish. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, one movie I wish that they had uh, worked on would be uh, City Slickers to the Legend of Curly's Gold. <laughs> um, that, I think that would have been a great opportunity for them. Uh, really the only... Uh, mark I can put on their resume against them. So, uh, but yeah, the Coen brothers, known for making good movies, I would say, and I think a lot of people would agree. <laughs> and also directed another really good one that we're talking about right now. Hey, hot take alert! These guys make the good ones. Yeah. So, yeah, hot take alert! Uh, yeah, Joel and Ethan Coen, some of the best filmmakers in the game right now. Oh yeah, yeah and if you I know disagree, it's a bit nuclear, but it's just simply true. If you disagree, you're gonna have to fucking sit your ass down and fucking go watch Ant Man because we're we're big kids in here and we're talking about the real shit. And I yeah. think um, 
this might be the first time we're talking about a movie that is directed by someone that people know of besides Joel Schumacher. Um, <laughs> Joey Shoes? Yeah, Joey yeah. Shoes. Oh, re- 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 rest in true. peace, Joel Schumacher. <laughs> I'm, by, by the way, I've never said any rude thing about Joel Schumacher no. on any other podcast or anything like that. I've only said good things about Joel Schumacher. I, uh, I used to send him letters uh, telling him to kill himself. <laughs> I would also send him letters telling him that he was a great director and never made any bad movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And- I tell him that all the time. So this is, uh, the production company was Circle Films. You might know Circle from uh, being one of the shapes, No Corners. Um, they partnered with Jerk Films at some point. Yeah, and uh, they circled jerked. Yeah. yeah and that's... I've never heard of Circle Films before in my life. Yeah. I, I, I know Jess is the expert, so she's trying to remember all the expert knowledge of Circle Yeah, Films. it takes yeah. some time. I have to do some guided meditations real quick to get yeah, through Yeah, I would it. say like they probably oh, definitely did this... like 360 degrees worth of movies. Yeah, yeah uh, it looks definitely. like there's no Wikipedia page, so I, I don't... I can't remember it, you know. Off the yeah, top of my she's got to do um, more in-depth research of Circle Films. Yeah, so. until yeah. then, just watch their uh, <laughs> Netflix show, Two Pi R Squared. Or, <laughs> yeah. hey, the sequel is called Circumference. Um, uh, and Come is in bold. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. It's the porn parody of Circle so, Films. Circumcise. <laughs> Sir okay. Circumventing, you know what I mean? Ooh, cumventing. <laughs> Uh, Come venting sounds like an interesting sexual practice that I need to know more about. Sounds like you're coming in your vent and it just like... Yeah, it's like I crawl in the ducts and I fucking blast off and then you stand at the vent and smell my (laughs) product. Is there a thing that's like waterboarding but with cum? Yeah, it's called bukake. I mean, that's... Yeah. Um, Okay. uh, Chinese water torture with cum. (laughs) Just slow trip. How do you? Uh, yeah, like Chinese wire torture, but with calm. Just <laughs> flick one drop out at a time. Uh, and that's how that works. Uh, uh, so, so, so this movie is a runtime of 94 minutes, uh, a budget of $6 million. Pretty low budget, actually, compared yeah. to a lot of And they used so every dollar of that because this film looks fantastic. It looks really good. And there's a lot of, uh, there's some pretty big set pieces that go on that you wouldn't expect on a $6 million budget. It's some but. real good practical effects, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they almost run over a baby, which makes you wonder how they pulled that off with. Well, so the thing is that I don't know if so you know, but a lo- babies roughly cost a half a million dollars each. So they, and they had, they had to do that several times, yeah. which raised the budget of the movie. Uh-huh. So. That I know true. that time, so. as it, of like I think it was 2012, the U.S. government officially valued a human life at about 6.8 million dollars. So see, we have to remember much. that was like <laughs> that was 20 much. years before, so that would have been roughly like th- 2.53 million actually. So. Yeah, so they actually ran over one baby, so the original budget was was about roughly three million. Well, see, actually, <laughs> the the main baby uh, in this movie has a lot in common with the main car from Gone in 60 Seconds because they had like 15 copies of it, and uh, seven of them exploded uh, <laughs> <laughs> during the production uh but most of them are okay now and and they're uh, sitting in nick cage's collection in his garage <laughs> they're they're in a museum uh, somewhere in nicholas cage's uh estate so do y'all want to try and guess the box office cars for this one i yeah. believe it was roughly about 30 million or so dollars right in 1987 money uh yes i know it was box office success I yeah 29.2 million dollars so that's another one in the black uh oh, stop shit. stop looking it up beforehand god i'm trying to <laughs> make you guess well fine <laughs> uh so that's 12 out of 39 movies so far that are in the black so um and uh, for the listener at home when we announced that this movie was in the black we dropped confetti uh, yeah and yeah you can't see it uh i would have blown my party horn but i was busy talking so it's, um i should have brought my boo-boo zayla 
But um, on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has a 91% critic rating, 85% audience rating. So overall, this is a pretty damn highly regarded film. I think that might be the highest I've ever seen for critics on this podcast. That's that's definitely got to be also like the closest of like a critic and audience. And, and audience, yeah. And the both very like almost unanimous praise. But yes, this is actually like damn near unanimous praise. And that's a... Uh, pretty fucking cool to see i think uh yeah i mean more power to nicholas cage he did great in this movie and uh he got the respect that he deserves for once i guess yeah so like everything's shaping up to it looking like we're gonna talk about a good movie am i right guys I'm, this is a new thing and that's stoked. when keeping it real goes wrong because <laughs> we're gonna talk about how this movie fucking sucks it fucking Ball. Big stinker. Have you heard about Sophomore Slump? Because this is the second Coen Brothers movie. And let me tell you, it fucking slump. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's all I have for facts. Mike, you got some trivia? I got some trivia out the ass for this one. Um, Damn. Because, yeah. People, that's not a good place for trivia. <laughs> people have uh, actually seen this movie, so that helps with uh, contributing to either, uh, you know, rumors that may be made up. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to read them anyway. So the Coen brothers started working on this uh, with the idea that they wanted to make it like as different as possible from Blood Simple. Um, so they wanted it to be more optimistic and upbeat. Uh, I haven't seen Blood Simple. It's a uh, very so. dark, depressing film. Um, yeah, I've. I mean, I would. I would not classify this as dark and depressing. So I guess oh. success there. Yeah. There's a lot of optimism in this movie. I like it. Yeah, yeah, even for you know the amount of people like missing a baby. They're pretty, like, chill about it. Well, yeah. like, I mean, not to spoil it, but they got four. I mean, come on. They have 80% yeah. of their babies still. That's, yeah. and even that's 80% is pretty fucking good. And you got to right. look at a glass, like, 80% fall kind. Yeah. Most people lose a baby. They have tops 50% of their babies. Yeah. So. Exactly. And you, you heard of take my wife. Now, take my baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> take a couple of them. Uh so, uh, d despite the cult following of their later films, uh, such as The Big Lebowski, the Coen brothers have described this as the last movie um, that made any significant amount of money for them. Um, which is kind I, of true because actually, I mean, I think True Grit made a shit ton of money. Yeah. And, and I but, think No Country for Old Men, I don't think, was a huge box office success. Really? I don't I believe find so. And Big Lebowski wasn't really that big of a commercial success either. I, I just find that hard to believe. Uh, yeah. For, like, No Country for Old Men, I feel like had to have at least made, you know. I don't think it was that big of a high-grossing movie. I Maybe really they don't. were getting contract deals where they didn't get money. Look, oh, okay, I just looked it up. $25 million budget. Box office, $171 million. They made Well, I was money. fucking wrong. I mean, maybe, maybe there was more, uh, like, studio control over that Yeah, there or was something. probably more studio control and shit um, like that. Yeah, because I guarantee you there was not was a... like, when they made this, their second movie, they needed money, and every time after that, they didn't really need any well, money yeah, anymore. they got their so blank check after this. And that's thing that, that was true about their box office success until Inside Lewin Davis, which is their highest grossing film of all time. Uh, according to Ethan Cohen, Nicolas Cage uh, was pretty uh nutso about his haircut uh during production um his woody woodpecker haircut uh as it is called in the imdb trivia as in nutso as in happy or um i mean he was like uh wanted it to be just right in every scene because uh. according to him the stress level of his character directly correlates to what his hair looks like so the more danger he's in, the bigger the wave in his hair uh, huh. gets. And out of his natural hair, this is probably the best I've ever seen Nick Cage's hair. It's pretty solid in this movie. He looks good. He... Yeah, he's not looking bad in this movie. 
Uh, it was also really early in his career, so mm -hmm. yeah. I guess yeah, he is younger in this one. But um, and I did make a joke before, but there was fifteen babies uh, that played the quintuplets in the movie, and um, one of the babies was fired during production because he learned to walk. Uh, <laughs> and apparently, the uh, mother went so far as to put her baby shoes on backwards to prevent it from walking. Damn, uh, that just sounds like some like that's some like yeah that's some like real like torture stage parent shit. Yeah, yeah you will have developmental like disabilities. It's, it's like Chinese foot binding, but for ba American exactly. babies. Yeah, uh, and you know, all for the sake of being in a Coen Brothers movie. I mean, I I would have done the same thing. Yeah, I mean, kid. I would be permanently disabled if I could be in five seconds of exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, um, so the uh, relationship between Nicolas Cage and the Coen Brothers was respectful but turbulent, uh, apparently. Huh. While working on this movie, um, and Nicolas Cage said some stuff along the lines of, uh, you know, it was it was difficult to uh, suggest ideas to them because they were so dedicated to their artistic vision. And I would not be surprised by that because I feel like Nick Cage and the Coen Brothers would clash on a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're very like alternate personalities. <laughs> Um, and the, the Coen brothers responded to that statement by saying that, uh, they did enjoy working with him though. His like, uh, improvisations and stuff made, uh, it a bit hard to like edit his scenes and they clashed, he clashed with their vision a little bit. Uh -huh. Um, so he wanted a new Orleans accent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They, um, he wanted to throw on that new Orleans, uh, maybe British accent. Nobody really knows. Uh, and they wanted something specific. So. Uh, apparently, while they were uh, filming this movie, there was a, a diner that uh, Nicolas Cage and one of the guys working on the movie frequented, and um, Nicolas Cage got recognized in this diner uh, and signed an autograph for somebody that said, uh, tomorrow you will die, Nick Cage. Oh, shit. Uh, All right. So that's... Uh, that's he a was, good, you know, he good was cageism. Doing, he was doing what that girl did in the ring, but just a seventh of the time. Yeah, and I think he actually did uh, follow up and kill that person. <laughs> yeah, he literally um, came through the TV wet as shit the next day to kill that person. Do you think that should be the tagline for this show? Cage fight. Tomorrow you will die, Nick Cage. Hell Honestly, yeah, I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that. Um, I'll let's put it up see. on the website. Okay, here's a fun one that uh, I, I put down for you specifically, Jess, because I hoped that it would blow your mind. Ooh. So What's this? the baby on the poster of Raising Arizona is Max Bemis from Say Anything. What? There's no uh, way. His, his <laughs> father made the poster for this movie, um, and so he- That's- Holy he, shit, that's fucking incredible. He played oh the God. part of uh, the baby on the poster. That's really cool. That's a weird bit of trivia. I, last thing I expected to hear, I had no idea that Max Bemis was like posed for photos. His father made movie posters? Apparently, or he, at least he made that one, um, and Max Bemis was on it. Um, I suggest everyone check out Say Anything Good Band. At least uh, and they... Is a real uh, boy. Album. Is a real boy, yeah. <laughs> um, the last... A uh, bit of trivia I have is that uh, we can chalk another uh, another dealio into things that Cage learned for uh, roles because he actually kidnapped a child <laughs> uh, to get prepared for this movie. Um, and the child that he took uh, grew up to be, or should I say, would have grown up to be uh, John Benet Ramsey. 
Oh. Uh, no, so the, the actual story is, is that he was in Wisconsin, and he kidnapped a little girl. But he eventually did return her, and that girl ended up being Whitney, Wisconsin. Whitney, Wisconsin, the dog fucker herself. Yeah! <laughs> So that's the other connection to Wisconsin that Nick that's, made. That's that's the connection. I'm so glad you got that. That was a reference. I was saying I'm so glad you I, got that reference. I have a history I, that went right over so, me. So so Whitney Wisconsin is from Eau Claire, I believe, and she is a very infamous sex predator and zoophile. Yeah, oh. uh, she used to make YouTube videos about uh, how she had sex with her dog and how she liked to have sex with her dog. And I think she's in jail now. And she uh, also liked to stick her hand in her like pussy and like make guys smell it afterwards like randomly in like malls and restaurants and stuff so a like, really cool person cool gal hometown hero <laughs> yeah and, hometown um, hero if you're from eau claire and you're listening to this that's you went to high school with that girl i guarantee it <laughs> I, I will say that uh, i reference whitney wisconsin semi-frequently and nobody ever gets it i'm so glad <laughs> i get it <laughs> so uh it was I, meant to be you were meant to meet i feel at home so thank you for that and uh Stay the fuck away from my dog if you're listening, uh, Whitney, Wisconsin. <laughs> Wait, is she in prison right now? I think uh, she is for, like, sex offenses. Yeah, I don't even know if it was related to the dog fucking, <laughs> but it was just like, uh, you know, she started putting these videos up on YouTube and everybody was like, somebody has to look into this person. She must be stopped. Uh, so, yeah, um, uh, and that's all I got. Um, Whitney, return my calls, please. <laughs> We need you on the show. We're going to find his Turner and Hoochist movie, and we're going to have Whitney Wisconsin on as the guest. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) All right. Well, moving on to a plot summary here. At the start of this movie, Cage is kind of just being repeatedly arrested for basically for robbing convenience stores, I think, like every time. Robbing (laughs) the same convenience store every time, I believe. Dedication. Yeah. That's what it shows. Um, And he keeps being put in prison, and he keeps getting his mugshot taken by the same cop, uh, a lady named Ed. And uh, at one point, like, during all this, he, like, slips a ring on her finger. He's, like, sweet-talking her. Yeah, you know, he, at, at on. one point finds out that uh, her husband is cheating on her. Because there's, there's, like, a progression where every time they see each other, which seems to be frequently, mm-hmm. uh, he learns a little bit more about her, including uh, the fact that her marriage is on the rocks, and he wants to get his pee-pee wet. Yeah. So uh, after he gets out of prison for the last time, he... Uh, proposes to Ed and they get married and they move to Tempe, Arizona. Well, either that or that's where they were already. I didn't know. One of the Arizona towns. Yeah. And uh, he gets a job in a machine shop and they have a a good life together. uh, What they describe. Live in a a trailer in the middle of the desert, Tempe, Arizona. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful trailer too. It is a nice little trailer. It's one of them stainless steel numbers. That's all like aerodynamic and slick looking. Looks like he could turn it into a rocket to the moon. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, they call it their salad days, and they decide they're going to have a kid, but Ed discovers that she is infertile. She is barren. And that's the thing, ladies, if you're listening to this podcast, if you are infertile, you're a piece of shit. I'm sorry. Like (laughs) You you should want not only to have children, but also be able to. And if you can't, you shouldn't listen to the show. Any uh, infertile woman can't can't fuck with it. I believe I they... can't be on the show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jess. Well, we lost the producer. Uh, I, I believe at one point they compare her uterus to the desert that they live in. Uh, <laughs> this movie was oh, definitely really? made in the eighties because nowadays that would be a harassment lawsuit from a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I could, it's something about uh, how like uh, her vagina was like a rocky wasteland, and his cum <laughs> was like their. Trailer. Oh yes, I do yeah. remember that. Yeah, yeah. it's like, like listen, that. your your pussy doesn't work and your husband's dick sucks. Like <laughs> you, you, this shit sucks, dude. You got to get out of this relationship. That's what the doctor said it exactly. If neither you are blasting, 
You should stop asking and get a divorce. <laughs> if you ain't porking, you're aborting. No. <laughs> yes. Um, so they try to adopt, but they're unable to adopt because of uh, Cage's criminal past. Uh, they, Which involves a lot of armed robbery, just to be clear. So that's a very justifiable thing, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, 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 probably not the best move to give out kids to... Uh, someone who's been repeatedly convicted of armed robbery. And you'll see, there's a lot of firing of guns from him, so it's totally understandable. <laughs> I do think uh, it was kind of funny. Um, she's like, yeah, I, I have a past as a felon, but she's a cop, so it all balances it out, right? Yeah, that's right. One violent offender and an absolutely not violent former cop, because we all know cops have <laughs> never been violent. Yeah, yeah she's, uh, she's definitely the least violent one uh, mm-hmm. of the couple. Yeah. I'm not saying in any couple, the cop is always the least violent. It never oh, causes yeah. any DV incidents or anything. Exactly. Like Actually, there's a statistic Don't. that uh, cops uh, are the most abused uh, yeah. people in uh, all marriages. Just look up yeah. cops, 40%. <laughs> so, yeah, 40% of domestic violence victims are cops. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the way that the statistic goes. But yeah, um, after they can adopt and they can't have kids biologically, they become depressed and ed ends up retiring from the police force and one day they end up seeing on tv a couple named the arizonas um the man in the relationship is nathan arizona who owns like a furniture store yeah unpainted furniture oh yeah it's unpainted specifically unpainted furniture and iced tea (laughs) and he's rich from this venture which by the way that is though that is that is how like horrifically like wealthy America used to be for anybody that if you just started one business that sold like such dumb shit, you could be a multimillionaire. Yeah. I mean, uh, just look at, um, Nathan Ashley from Ashley furniture. Uh, he's, uh, probably a piece of shit too. (laughs) I mean, back in the day you could work at a convenience store that only sold one version of cornflakes and end up being worth eight figures. Oh yeah. That was just the way America used to be back then. Always. And that's why we need to make America great again. That's, yeah. yeah. Or keep America great. <laughs> well, that, that's what America was before NAFTA. Yeah. Um, Post-NAMBLA. But yeah, they yeah. see on TV that this uh, couple, the Arizonas, have quintuplets called the, the Arizona Quints. Uh, and they decide they're going to steal one of those because, you know. Why the fuck not? Yeah. Five kids is too much for them to handle. It's, it's a lot like kids. wealth, right? Because you have like this this couple who's can't have children and they're poor. They live in a trailer. These rich people they got five kids. Why don't you share the wealth around? Exactly. They yes. can give up one of their children. And that is what socialism is about: redistribution yes. of children. But if <laughs> we, I mean, that is what socialism. When we be when about. we tried <laughs> to explain this uh, to the Arizonas, they said they would rather give up one of their children than any of their money. So <laughs> that's true. At that point. They drive out to the house of the Arizonas in the middle of the night, and uh, Cage goes up into the room from a ladder where all the babies are, all five of them, and uh, basically yeah, acting, steals one of them. Definitely acting like Brian Singer does when he wants to visit his, his new boyfriend. <laughs> Just goes it's, up to uh, his window and is like, hey, baby, how you doing? And he, it's like, goo, goo, gaga. <laughs> he likes to do that thing where he like throws rocks at the window. Um, but then because they can't reach the window, he has to climb up and open it himself. So. <laughs> and the reason they can't do it is because they're too short to open the window because yeah, they are they're, they're, they're midgets. <laughs> no, they're the midgets. That's what they're not. Mentally, men- mental, mental, the mental midgets. style. Yeah. Mental midgets. Yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that before. Um, uh, leave it to Taylor to come up with like new slurs though. <laughs> I, was, or I mean, a mental midget is absolutely a thing that I did not create. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, I will still credit you with it if you would like. Um, but yeah, he. We get a funny scene where he climbs up in the window and all the babies start crying. Uh, and so he's trying to like please all of them one by one by giving them toys like and Brian stuff. Singer would. Yeah. Uh, well, he likes to take please them all children. at once. <laughs> he, he, he likes them all at one time. Um, but uh, yeah, then the parents are like uh, downstairs and they hear the ruckus and they're like, hey, our new babies are making noise. Should we check on it in like 25 minutes? Uh, and, uh, they're like, yeah, yeah, let's not check on it now. Let's check on it, uh, after they've cried for about 25 more minutes. <laughs> but yeah, um, eventually he managed to, um, grab one of the kids that he thinks is Nathan Jr. Um, I don't remember what all the other names were, but it was like Barry and Larry and Gary, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, some, some stupid bullshit. But yeah. And uh, Cherry. Cause I thought it was a baby named Cherry, I remember. Cherry Davis. It was really sweet. It was the sweetest baby. He sucked on them all too. <laughs> so, so, I mean, sucked on a lot. Uh, Brian's sick. No, I can't. I can't. He, he tasted it. each baby uh, to figure out which one he wanted. Yeah. Um, but um, so Cage takes the baby back to the car and he drives home with his wife. There is one line in here that I really liked where he says, "Here's the instructions," and throws the Doctor Spock's guide to yeah. raising children. On this <laughs> that scene. was super fun. I actually laughed out loud at that part. Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny because like that that book came out in the fifties. That that parenting guide is like thirty years fucking out of date. It's just. Hey, really funny the kids don't change you know yeah i mean you know that's the thing about like child psychology is that once you learn something about child psychology it never changes yeah you just put them in a fucking box until they turn 18 well, no. and then you'd send them off to the army yeah i don't, yeah. I don't think that book is out of date because we need to be raising kids like we did in the 50s so we can return to our trad culture back then you know yeah that's <laughs> true yeah yeah absolutely. kids are fucking pussies these days you know they can't even go uh overseas and like kill civilians without getting PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like back in the day, they could just mow down in whole villages, but now it's like, oh, no, I don't want to commit war war oh. crimes. You're making America stronger. Oh, Chris Kyle has a conscience now, huh? You know. Anyways, they take uh, Nathan Jr. home, and they're really excited, but kind of nervous about the life ahead of them. Cage, in particular, looks kind of nervous. Then, immediately after that, we see... John Goodman suddenly burst out of some mud, screaming at yeah, the top we, we of his Yeah, we should also lungs. clarify that John Goodman and another guy were in prison with Nick Cage. Yes, I didn't mention that at the start. But, and they're, uh, good, they're good friends. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the other actor besides John Goodman. Uh, yes, I definitely do remember this, because I'm yeah, good at my job. Yeah, and we do have job. this written down um, and uh, referenceable immediately. But no, uh, they come out of the mud outside of this prison like uh, like um, uh, like Shawshank Redemption. They're like, yeah, oh, his, I made it! His head is sticking out of the ground. William uh, Forsyth yes. is there with um, John Goodman. Yes. Uh, screaming like, ah! they do a lot of screaming in this film, those two, I will say. Um, All fully clothed screaming, just to be clear. It's not one of those movies. You sound like it's some of like the that. Amazon reviewers, but... <laughs> After breaking out of prison by digging out underground, they uh, drive over to Cage and Ed's place, and Cage is really excited to see them, but Ed is not so happy about harboring escaped convicts, but she agrees to let them stay for a day or two, but they have to get on their way afterwards. Escaped convicts hanging out in their trailer with their newly kidnapped baby. Yes. Yeah, I mean, for <laughs> very a, normal situation. For an ex-cop, she sure is acting like a cop at this part. Yeah, seriously. For next cop who just stole a baby. <laughs> yeah. She's hey, getting a little to, high and mighty, I Way think. to grow your conscience back, Ed. <laughs> yeah. Where was that when you were thieving children, huh? Yeah. When you weren't wearing your body cam during very specific incidents. Yeah. 
So that night, Cage has a dream of like a biker who looks like he's like straight out of Mad Max. I was literally going to say he looks like Toe Cutter from Mad Max. Like <laughs> he, he is wild. He looks like he smells great. But yeah, he's loaded up with guns and grenades and like things are exploding and he's covered in dirt. He's gruff looking. Cage believes it's a vision of things that are coming for him now but because they have stolen the child. They and you're, you're thinking, it's like, oh, that's a funny dream. Oh, it's not a dream, baby. <laughs> yeah. No, the lines between reality and not reality are blurred, baby. Oh, Dreamality. Dream. Dreamality. Dream it's like a Mortal Kombat fucking fatality. <laughs> it's a, he's in his dream theater right now. So then cut to the next day. We see the police and FBI questioning Nathan, Arizona to get any information about who may have taken the child. And um, we see that biker guy from the dream who is very real rolling around like investigating things. Later that day, Cage and Ed have some company over. Cage's work foreman at his job, uh, who has like five kids or something. And they're all, all like, extremely well-behaved. Yeah, yeah, all extremely well-behaved. They tear apart everything and break things. and um, To rebuild it back again so they can get a better trailer. Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, they uh, help them commit insurance fraud. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, whose wife is played by uh, Frances McDormand, a oh, yes. frequent... Coen Brothers collaborator, and yes. I think the wife of Ethan. Joel. Is that Ethan? the wife? Ethan or Joel? I one of them. One well, of the it's, two. It's actually both of them. It's, 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 <laughs> a, it's, a, it's both... a polycule situation. Yeah. Um, they're both stuffing her Ooh. nightly. Wouldn't um, think you'd be in a polycule with your own yeah. brother, but... I mean, that's uh, the thing is that they're, I mean, they're, they're doing airtight every night, you know? <laughs> well, you know, after they, they heard... <laughs> They heard that, uh, you know, brother to brother song from the Pokemon soundtrack, um, and they decided that they could, you know, pound whatever they wanted to. Oh, it looks like she's married to Joel. Joel, Um, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. The director. The tall uh, one. Yeah, well, the tall tall and dreamy one. Yeah, Yeah, the other one is probably too short to get married or any women. Well, and like I said, in in the airtight situation, he's all, you know, they say shorter guys have smaller dicks, so of course he goes into the the tighter hole, so. Yeah, 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 and because by the way, Francis McDormand, if you do listen to this, we we do respect you as an actress. We, we we're not we're not shaming you for getting airtight with your husbands every night. We're you're not an shaming. An incredible actress, and you know what? I'm glad you're getting your shit stuffed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yes, while they're over, Cage talks to the man who again is his his boss uh, about how he's kind of feeling trapped, like his new domestic life is kind of crushing in on him. Oh yeah. wait, he says feeling trapped. Yeah. Like, like, uh, headstrong. Yeah. <laughs> he's feeling so headstrong, he'll take this on. Or um, he's feeling trapped in paradise. <laughs> Callback. Potato Call, flakes. Call, potato flakes as snow. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, Nicolas Cage is like, hey, um, I'm struggling in my new life. And his boss is like, uh, would it help if I fucked your wife? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, talk about headstrong. Nick Cage does take him on. You know, he you know, does. He fucking he, he doesn't lays play. his fucking ass out. Yeah. So the, his boss suggests that they like swing, and Cage is like, "Nah, you stay away from my wife," and punches him like straight in the face. And I mean, that guy really did predict like hot wife culture in 2020, like 35 years ago. Kind oh, of yeah. impressive. Yeah. If the, if this movie would have been made today, uh, Nicholas Cage's reaction would have been, "We fuck now." Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cage and Ed are both pretty sure that Cage is going to get fired for this. Ed is mad. Um, they're going to the convenience store to get some diapers for Nathan. 
And Cage, who, as you just remember, because he feels trapped in his domestic life and he feels like he's got to do something, decides he's going to rob this convenience store. Like, yeah, we're wearing pantyhose on his head with his gun, like you do. Yeah. Yeah. As you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just fucking stealing diapers. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then cash. everyone in this subsequent scene has a gun and starts shooting everybody. Yes. The convenience store worker shoots Nick Cage a million times it's... and misses every time. There's a lot of bullets. He's got like the aim of a stormtrooper. Everyone has the aim of a stormtrooper in this scene. It's true. I feel like half of the budget was probably just like blanks that they were just popping off throughout. Well, I mean, talk about shooting blanks. (laughs) I mean, that's that's really the theme of this whole movie. So So, uh, when Ed notices he's robbing, she yells at him and drives away without him. He's chased by the cops, the convenience store owner, a bunch of dogs, like... And this long chase where he runs around and loses the diapers that he'd stolen and then goes to, like, a grocery store and picks up another batch of diapers, which he again loses. And then the clerk at that grocery store starts shooting him, too. Yeah. (laughs) And to be fair, that is literally what happens in many parts of the country when a gun gets pulled is that everyone – because, of course, America has the most guns per capita, Mm -hmm. so everyone has a gun available to shoot. Yeah, it's like a chain of events. Like, one person hears a gun, and then somebody a few blocks away will start shooting the gun, and then it – kind of snowballs from there yeah exactly but yes um so he eventually gets away from the cops um ed comes back around and picks him up and they even managed to swipe up the diapers that he'd lost initially in the chase and uh, and he's gonna need them after that fucking chase (laughs) when they get home ed tells the convicts they have to leave that's uh john goodman and forsyth um because uh, they've been a bad influence on Cage thus far. Which yeah, who's I mean, a child who can't make his own decisions? Uh, and you know, <laughs> I see you've taken a, a side in this debate. That's <laughs> thing is like it's like bitch. Listen, <laughs> bros before hoes. Like I can't. First of all, <laughs> yeah, first I would have robbed this place. Even if they, I, you know what? If they hadn't been here, I would have capped this yeah. bitch. He's like, you say you fucking bitch. <laughs> These are my friends, and if anyone's going to leave, it's going to be fucking you. If I have to choose between my bitch and my dog pound, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pick the dog pound every time. Uh, oh, my God. So, Bravo. So after she steps out, they say to Cage, like, hey, you're, you're having a bad time here with your wife. We can tell it. She's at odds with your nature, and your nature is to just be robbing convenience stores and doing just doing robberies, maybe not convenience stores. So you should rob this bank with us. And um, that Cage kind of agrees, I guess, and that night he writes a note to Ed just uh, saying he's going to leave, but um, he kind of falls asleep while doing it. So in the next scene, we see that the the uh, biker guy from Cage's Dream shows up at Nathan Arizona's furniture store and says he's going to find Nathan Jr. for $50,000. Arizona refuses to pay him, but he says, well, I'm going to get that kid whether or not you pay me because they'll pay $30,000 on the black market for a kid, apparently. Yeah, so, he, I mean, his, to, to be fair, that is what Brian Singer asks. That's, that's, that's his that's his buy-in price. Yeah, he, he concocts a plan to steal this kid one way or another and then either give it back for a reward or just sell it for parts yeah. <laughs> yeah and like i said brian singer will pay individually he does it doesn't matter what part yeah brian singer he, he pays per pound mm-hmm. <laughs> the next day cage's boss comes back furious at cage and fires him but that is like the least of his problems because he tells cage he knows that the baby is the kidnapped arizona child and he demands that Cage give the kid to him because he wants another child, too, and can't adopt anymore with five kids. He's like, you can't kidnap that kid. I'm kidnapping that kid. Yeah. 
I love the idea of extorting someone for a child to raise. <laughs> to yeah. raise, too. Like, this is... This yeah, is that has pretty... 100% happened. Uh, probably. That's yeah. 100%. I've done it. <laughs> I, I mean, I would extort somebody to be like, no, I'm not... I will give you money to raise that child. Yeah, I mean... I... If I'm not I leaving, think that's a, just normal adoption. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like I just said that, and it's like the gang starts adoption. No. <laughs> when Cage goes back inside, the convicts then tie him up and kidnap Nathan Jr. because they're gonna hold the kid ransom for um, a bunch of money from, uh, you know, Nathan Arizona. When Ed gets home, she frees Cage. Then. Uh, Cage loads up three guns and they set off after the convicts who are the Snotes brothers. I only start referring to them <laughs> as that in my notes at this point, which go back and men- mentally replace every instance of convicts with uh, Snotes brothers. <laughs> uh, John uh, Goodman. Yeah, John Goodman and Will Forsyth. But yeah, so um, they lose Nathan after picking up some diapers because they put his carrier on the top of their car, the Snotes brothers. And the baby lands perfectly okay in the middle of the road, which yeah. always happens when you accidentally drive away. It just kind of rolls off instead of splattering. Yeah, and he good. lands upright and just perfectly on the lines. But uh, they already seem to be pretty attached to the kid. I don't know. They're, like, super into this baby. To be fair, the baby barely cries. He seems like a pretty sweet kid. Yeah, yeah. This, this fucking baby is electric because everybody who comes across it is like, I need that fucking baby. <laughs> It is a well-behaved baby. It is a fairly cute baby. Thankfully, I've seen cuter. Thankfully, but... I will say Brian Singer is the one person who didn't interact with this child. Yeah, <laughs> I think he was uh, he was in a sex dungeon at this time. Um, I think Brian Singer might have literally been a child when this movie came out. So. He, uh, and I mean, he's loved fucking kids ever since then. So, yeah, but yeah, um, Ed tells Cage uh, while they're driving to go find the cons and get Nathan Jr. back that they both seem to be bad, selfish people, and they're probably bad for each other and should break up. And meanwhile, the bounty hunter finds Ed and Cage's trailer and sees it torn up and goes out looking for them. John Goodman and Will Forsyth rob that bank they were talking about with Nathan in a car seat with them, which is kind of funny. And I would like to point out that this is the second comedy bank robbing that we've seen in this podcast so far. That's true. Um, some real, fir- uh, some real bangers. Whoops. The first being in trapped in paradise. Um, less babies in that one, but yeah, less still babies, more potatoes. Um, <laughs> they get the money and leave, but realize that they forgot Nathan again outside the bank, like same exact situation where they put him on top of the car and drove away without him. Um, just as a paint cartridge in the money bag goes off. Yeah, and that's really common. I used to work at a bank, and we literally had one of those like fucking paint cartridges and stack of bills whenever. It's really Damn. Funny. It never exploded on me, unfortunately. It's the only time that I've worked at a job where I haven't wanted something to explode in my face while I'm working. <laughs> I know we, uh, we kind of blew past it, but when they forgot the baby this time, it did uh, splatter all over the road, and uh, they had to scoop up its guts. They just got another one of the babies because they had 15. Yeah. Oh yeah! They're like oh fuck, we broke one. We got all fourteen. They went through oh yeah, that movie. wasn't in the movie. That was just like what happened on yeah, set. Exactly. Like, yeah. Kid yeah. got splattered. Yeah, dude. Look it up on a uh, best score. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Cage and Ed pull up to Nathan just as the bounty hunter is also rolling up and attacks them. He seems to have blown up a cop car in the process too, because you like hear a siren as he's coming up, and then you yeah. see a massive explosion <laughs> over the horizon. Ed runs away with Nathan while Cage fights the bounty hunter. And it's just a really awesome action scene. Like, it's a really fucking well-choreographed scene. Yeah, it is yeah. a pretty well-choreographed scene, and it's cool. And it's, I like how they do, like, the the baby, like, because the 
baby cart gets flipped over a million times and it's like you can almost see the baby's head just like just fucking break open on the pavement but it cuts every single time you're like oh I didn't want to see that right now, so I'm glad they really did that. Yeah, but if you stay till after the credits, they have some of the the gaffs and goofs. Yeah, uh, which include and they're three all or laughing. Four dead babies. They're all laughing with like skull and like baby eyes on the ground, like ah ah ah, let's yeah. get another baby. They're just uh, and that's why they got that blank check after this. <laughs> At the end of the fight, Cage pulls one of the the pin on one of the grenades on the bounty hunter's vest, and he explodes. Cage survives, and um. Cage and Ed then go to return Nathan Jr. to the Arizona house where they sneak in the same way they did last time. Apparently the Arizonas didn't learn their lesson and they start <laughs> locking the fucking windows. Well, you do have to remember they still had four babies left, so they could they still could have lost one and still had the majority of their babies. That's true, yeah. They would have most of them. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, fine. even if uh, under their assumption uh, they thought maybe whoever took the baby would bring it back, they weren't wrong. <laughs> so yeah, that is true. They were actually right. Yeah. They took a gamble and it paid off. Exactly. Nathan Arizona sees them doing this and he's like, "What? Are, oh, you're returning the kid. Uh, and they confess to him that they kidnapped Nathan because they couldn't have a kid of their own. And he decides not to notify the police because nobody got hurt and nothing went wrong. And he thinks they seem like genuine and good people. But it does seem that Ed and Cage are going to split up as they believe they're not good for one another. But that night, while they're sleeping next to each other, Cage has a dream of the future where he sees Ed and him still together and happy with a big family and a ton of grandkids. And it's actually a little bit touching and moving. I actually thought the whole last scene with um, Nathan Arizona and then that scene were all really super sweet. Like, even though Nathan Arizona, you expect him to be kind of like a brash, like southern fucking like cowboy redneck asshole. And he kind of is to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I feel like he's a very multifaceted character. And that that whole scene I thought was really, he had some like real good gems in there. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, at, at this point, he has every right to go in there with guns blazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because even though he only lost 20% of his children, that's yeah. still 20%. That's a lot of children if you think about it that's a large loss on an yeah. investment you it's know like what i'm saying <laughs> 6.8 million dollars that you're gonna have to spend again now to yeah. baby's back it uh is a very sweet nice ending uh i think so overall thoughts everybody uh this movie was fucking fantastic it was the first really 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 good movie i've seen on this show so far mm -hmm. like maybe not the f first good film but at the very least one that is something i would love to watch again at some point and it has been a family favorite of mine for a for a long time like my family has a beta max copy of racing arizona for god's sake damn, damn. my uh the only beta in my family is me uh oh so. you're the beta you're the max beta yeah instead of I, beta max yeah exactly uh but i don't know yeah this was a great movie nicholas cage was fantastic in it mm -hmm. um every as, performance was good holly hunter as ed was fantastic yeah holly hunter was great john goodman as always a delight mm -hmm. he's, he's great in like every coen brothers movie i've seen He's, yeah, he, honestly, John Goodman is probably one of the greatest living actors. He's just fucking fantastic and everything. He even makes Speed Racer good. Uh, actually, it's not specifically him that makes that movie good, but he is in it, and it's great. And so... I haven't seen and he Speed was, Racer. And he was also very heavily responsible for repealing uh, Missouri's right-to-work laws. So oh. he's cool also in real life. That's, oh, hell yeah. That's good to know. So yeah, no, Missouri is no longer right-to-work state partially due to John Goodman's activism. Wow. Pretty badass. Yeah. John JG. Goodman in favor of unions? I see. Yeah, no, he <laughs> really is, yeah. Ooh, I mean, he was in Roseanne. Cool. 
Oh, yeah. As, like, a working-class hero character. Well, Roseanne didn't turn out to be quite as good. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, I mean, the TV, he was, like, he was a good character in the TV show. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, and she's she turned out to be a good character in real life, so. <laughs> yeah, a very interesting character in real yeah. life, that's for sure. Whereas, you know, isn't that really funny, right? Because, like, the stereotype is that, like, oh, there's the housewife who's, you know, forgotten or whatever, and the guy's always, like, this big sexist asshole. But in real life, John Goodman is the woke one, and Roseanne's the piece of shit. <laughs> like, yeah. R.I.P. to but, um, uh, Roseanne. She is dead, so. Yeah, I thought this was a really good movie. Um, surprisingly touching, also, that in a way that I wasn't expecting. Although, I knew going into this, it being a Coen Brothers movie, that I was probably going to enjoy it. <laughs> like, um, And this movie really is, though, you're talking about Blood Simple, and Blood Simple is definitely the exact opposite of this movie. Because there's a lot of hope and optimism. even. At the yeah, I, I will have to check out Blood Simple. I've, I've been meaning for a long time to watch all, all of the Coen Brothers movies brothers movies but um, and i i have seen most of them but there's a couple i have not seen i haven't seen lady killers or, or oh brother where art thou and burn after reading and i think i've seen every other okay so. yeah and um, i think that even uh the bounty hunter in this movie is probably an even bigger lebowski than the big lebowski himself in the yeah in the and, movie, and so. i do think it's really funny that the bounty hunter in this movie looks exactly like a combination of toe cutter and mad max yeah <laughs> like the, the exact same yeah i think uh that's kind of all I have here. Also, the baby was fantastic in this movie, like I said. Very good actor. Yeah, and the baby on the poster uh, has got a good future ahead of him. Yeah, and I, I, was... I, also, I also looked it up, by the way. Brian Singer was 23 when this movie came out, so he he could have done what Brian Singer does best. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he probably he could have been inspired by this movie personally, actually. I uh, I actually was really surprised at how how they were able to wrangle that many babies in and get them to act well. Like I said, Brian Singer was involved in wrangling those babies. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you uh, uh, fucking whip a baby, you can get it to do pretty much anything. That's Uh, true. So, Uh, Another thing I'll say is this movie had a lot of kind of dry humor and a lot of really pretty damn funny lines that go by really quickly, and some of them you might miss if you're not paying attention. I wasn't expecting it because I have not seen this movie in many years, but the whole line where he's like, hey, I'm a swinger with his, like, foreman, and he has, like, 15 different terms for swinger. I'm sharing my wife and all. Like, that line had me just busting a gut fucking laugh. (laughs) And that that actor was, and that character was really fucking funny, too. Yeah. Yeah. He was saying, like, oh, and remember, I think in the the ending sequence, uh, he gets picked up and pulled over, and he, he meets a Polish cop, and he keeps making those Oh yeah, <laughs> he'd been making <laughs> one too many Polish jokes. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the movie his bit is that he's stupid and just loves making really bad, even by like Polak joke standards, Polak yeah. jokes. And like getting the joke wrong and correcting himself and just how many how many Polaks take pain. screw in a light bulb because they're dumb like shit like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't have light bulbs in Poland, so <laughs> yeah. Well, this movie came out in '87. They were still in the uh, Eastern Bloc Warsaw Pact, so they might not have had light bulbs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were all still doing shit by candlelight. American propaganda told me that uh, they didn't have electricity up until uh, freedom came in. Well, I mean, the American propaganda did its job, and we're mm-hmm. we're all better for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. If if you think communism's good, just look at Venezuela, and I mean, look at this one specific picture of Venezuela I have on my phone, and believe that it is Venezuela. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you accidentally misspelled Vuvuzela. Uh, oh yeah, that's what you're showing me. Right I now. I was gonna say the you should communism at the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Dave, any chance you get a summary of this movie? Wheeling, dealing, baby stealing. The baby shot up a Walmart. That's about all I got out of it. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. I love how, like, the best movie we've probably watched so far in many different ways is the one you have the least amount of summary for. (laughs) I mean, I feel like, uh, in a way, Dave is saying, like, um, this movie speaks for itself. And I agree. 
Yeah, it really does. It's one of the few movies that, like, even though we do have a lot to say about it, I don't think we could probably improve upon it. Whereas, like, every other movie, we couldn't improve upon it either because there's been no bad movies on Cage Fight. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect record so far. Except mm-hmm. for Captain Curly's Mandolin. <laughs> I think that one's good. The bad one is G-Force. <laughs> uh, no, I think G-Force Gang needs to stick around because it's the best. Yeah, thing. and Jesse. Oh, you fuckers stay tuned with your shit. G-Force Gang. <laughs> yeah, the G-Force Gang is uh, not dead, as some have said. Um, we have just been out there uh, campaigning for Biden uh, in the streets uh, every day. So it's been a bit hectic. Um, so G-Force Gang, get out there and... Smell some hair. Well, that's the thing. I don't know if you know, but the G-Force gang was originally started by Richard Gere. Yeah. The he, he was G- one that organized the original G-Force. Yeah, it used to stand for Gear Gang. It started at the Richard Gere Museum. You can hear the history. Yeah, and oh, you know, the and the gears got to keep turning, you know? Yeah. And that's one of the slogans. And that's, that, that is the slogan where the gear keeps on turning because the machine are opens up his intestines <laughs> to let the guinea pigs in. Yeah, yes. And, the, the, and they're fed into his asshole. <laughs> Well, uh, Mike, you want to hit us with those Amazon reviews? Uh, yeah, who said I have any? I'm just kidding. I got it. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure there's got to be a lot of amazing Amazon reviews. There's, uh, there's some gems. Um, let's see what we got here. We got a review from JD, who gave the movie five stars. Wait, Jonathan Davis? Uh, I think so. Uh, so JD says, Coen Brothers at their best. Um, this is by far my favorite movie ever made. I still think the whole thing is likely a crack at society and traditional values. Some off-color language, but overall, a good movie. My DVD has nothing but the movie and a couple of adverts on it. No bells or whistles to this DVD. Um, <laughs> I will say that's the one good... That's like the one Amazon review that talks about the DVD, where it's a good DVD review. Yeah. Like, it's not like it doesn't work, it's broke, it never showed up. It's like, oh no, it's just a bare-bones DVD. Yeah, yeah, this guy's happy that there's not special features, because that's less time he has to waste. You know, in all honesty, sometimes there are times where I want to see them review the, you know, the physical media copy of this. Is this worthwhile purchasing if I already have another one? Is this a better one? And that was the worst you know? one, because he didn't even say it showed up. Yeah. He could have yeah. gotten this as a gift. Like, we don't know how thorough the shipping of, from Amazon yeah. well, he was. Was it 3D from Germany? Purchaser. Yeah, was it a 3D Blu-ray from Germany? <laughs> it might have been. Actually, I would love to see this film in 3D. And in uh, German. Like yeah, German well, sub- yeah. Subtitles end up. Yeah, I think in German it's That's called... That's a given. In German it's called uh, Das Baby. Uh, <laughs> have a review from Paul who says, uh, legendary classic. Uh, an absolute flawless classic. If you don't like this movie... I probably wouldn't like you. <laughs> and those are some definitive words from Paul. He's them fighting words. Uh, you know what? I did like this movie, so me and Paul could be uh, we're square. You know, yeah, good friends. Uh, Mama wrote a review uh, titled "Childhood," <laughs> which I mean, I feel like I don't even have to read the body. That's pretty much. I mean, yeah, yeah. childhood. Uh, but she says, "Perfect movie from when I was a kid. Lots of famous actors and actresses. My kids didn't like the movie because there was not enough action." What do kids know about movies? Nothing. LOL. I, I will say that there's a lot, there's a good amount of action in a movie like this. Yeah. For like a there's movie a, there's that's like ostensibly about raising a child, there's there's a lot of gunfights. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, a movie about a couple who can't have a child, this is the most action-packed movie about a couple like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was no fucking bank robberies in Boyhood, I think. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but... Yeah, this is like a very like. I mean, to be fair, this is a very short-lived coming of age tale because they don't really have the baby that long. But in the in that short little time, there's a lot of action. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, and, you know, uh, everybody who made this movie got a lot of action because uh, it was that good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you were Joel and Ethan later married Francis McDormand. Yeah, they would probably they might have met on this movie. And then, like, the movie was so good, they fucked. They actually met on Blood Simple. But. Um, got a review from Chad P, who uh, wrote a review titled, Son, you got a panty on your head. <laughs> um, and he writes, uh, Son, you got a panty on your head. <laughs> O-M-F-G-R-O-T-F-L-M-A-O, all the lols. That's it? That's it? That's it. That's still a good review, though. That's a solid review. That was a funny line. That was a really He did have a freaking panty on his ass. He was like, oh, that's supposed to be You remember in... He was like, you just got to pussy and you put that in your It's supposed to be on a girl's leg. Ew. Yeah. Hold on. This is the second movie that Nick Cage has had a panty on his head. Do you remember Firebirds? Firebirds. He put panties on his head to learn how to fly a helicopter. Wait, what? I forgot about that. That's really fucking awesome. I love uh, that shit. So add that one to the tally. (laughs) Uh, uh, Everett's mom wrote a review called Everything Fine. Um, This might be a cry for help. uh, Oh, no. She said, arrived in good condition. Movie isn't as funny as I remember. Okay. Oh, come on. That's fine. That's fine. Um, I got a couple more here. Michael R says, uh, he wrote a review called as an actual film school graduate. So, you know, this is going to be this guy's a big shot. He's, he's going to fucking, you're not, you may not like it, but he's going to tell you the facts about this movie. He likes the fucking truth bombs. Uh, so what does he say? We are all dumber for watching this movie fitting for 10 year olds who are fans of the Ace Ventura franchise and Jim Varney. <laughs> if this is entertaining for you, shame. <laughs> I'm gonna say this guy's probably not the type of film critic who actually reviews movies. He's the type who only reviews movies on Amazon. Well, he's a film school graduate, so he's not reviewing movies. He's fucking making them masterpieces. Probably look up Michael R on IMDb, and I bet you'll find it. it might be Michael Rooker from The Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> uh, got one from uh, Jose Lopez, um, who says uh, movie is funny for five to ten minutes. Then it got to anti-Reagan comments slash Goldwater portrait. Oh my God. There was one anti-Reagan <laughs> comment in the whole movie. The movie went downhill for me there. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mondale and Ferraro would have never won anyways. So it does not bother me. Reagan did a lot for peace and ended the cold war, but I digress. The movie, the Coen bros made is not good because of my bias towards it in regards to the silly, typical Hollywood statement because the plot it's bad. You have Nicholas cage. Need I say more (laughs) on top of that? Since when do Arizonians or people from the Southwest speak with a Southern accent? This movie is made uh, for people to think that uh, people from the Southwest are slow. An enlightened, liberal portrayal is but yet another epic fail. That's the thing. I don't think anybody in this movie is, like, aggressively stupid or rednecky. Mm-hmm. Like, even the even Nick Cage and, and Ed in this movie, they're working class people kind of down on their luck. They're not, like, shitty, dumb rednecks. Like, yeah, they don't yeah, understand but, where that could possibly even come from. Mm-hmm. But even, the, car- even, the, even the bank robbing criminal guys are just normal people who just kind of are fucking criminals. Like, I don't... That's a, I don't agree with that review at all. Uh, their, their car had a bumper sticker... Uh, for yeah, Reagan's it. opponents, uh, and Mondale so, Faro, yeah. uh, so basically, that's where the this movie lost me. Because um, you know, <laughs> I want to keep my politics out of 
my entertainment. And uh, when they said, uh, they basically said uh, Reagan uh, was mean. Um, and I think he was a great president. He hated gay people. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. And, and he hated hate, black hate, people too. That's thing. Hating, hating gay people is not mean. So we got to <laughs> right. keep mean, anti-Reagan mean comments. Exactly. And, you know, hating gay people just makes them stronger. And I. <laughs> it's great. Uh, um, mm, uh, so uh, I got a couple, uh, just, just just a couple more. Uh, elite Lamo. Uh, wrote wait, a, wait, wait. You said Elite Lamo? Uh, they wrote a review titled, and let me make sure I'm the right distance for the title of this review. Uh, um, and they said, that is all you hear for the entire movie. <laughs> Um, shut the fuck up. Horrible, horrible film, screaming and doltness and incoherent dialogue. And I felt like I was watching it in a Walmart with some beer guzzling Costco family. And well, oh, I see it's an early Cohen film. Ah, well, now it all makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those Cohen leeching yuppie pseudo film hipsters who idolize the Coens like their own deity. Yep, perhaps one of the worst films I've ever seen. Five stars. People give this LMFAO. Uh, and then my last review is from Josue Korea, and he said, Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yeah, first off, Walmart beer guzzling Costco family. Yeah. So you pay for the Costco membership, and then you go to Walmart to guzzle beer and watch Coen Brothers movies on their TV because people who like Coen Brothers movies are drunken lowlifes. But also, yeah. I was gonna say anyone who likes a Coen Brothers movie is absolutely somebody who gets drunk at a rural Walmart. That is a Coen Brothers demographic to the core. I, after after they watch WWE <laughs> and like Roman Reigns beat the fuck out of like. Uh, I don't know some some other wrestling person. And these are these are the uh, pseudo film hipsters who are just the type of people who would you know buy a Costco membership, just you know to impress their friends and then shop at Walmart. So mm-hmm. hey, listen, I bought a Costco membership because let me tell you fucking what they got great deals of free samples and let me tell you what them Coen Bros movies they're fucking real funny, man. <laughs> you seen Costco? They got these Yo Plays five for ten, brother. Yeah. Anyway, this movie ah, fucking sucks. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just that is the most incoherent film review. That had to be a troll. Um, yeah, and I, you know, it w- I probably did add a little bit of incoherence to it, but uh, I read it uh, verbatim. So that's, uh, <laughs> I'll just write it as the text said. Uh, that I did the best that I could. Um, and Elite Lemo really knows what's up. Also, a lot of people just saying that this movie had too much swearing and they didn't like it. So. I don't even remember that much excessive swearing in it. It's PG-13, so it can't be that. They're allowed one fuck. Yeah, uh, and that's one fuck too many. We fuck now. (laughs) One fuck too far. Well, anyways, uh, I think that's all we got to say about Raising Arizona. Uh, We're going to have a short break, and then we'll be back to you with Deadfall. Good night. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, we're here to you now with a very special segment. We're going to move on to Deadfall. Hey, Deadfall. It's also the first review that we've done more than once. Mm-hmm. Ah, fucking yeah. This is familiar. Joker's to- wild. 
This is familiar territory for us. You're telling me you don't have my money. (laughs) So we're not going to go as in-depth with Deadfall this time. If you want to get a full in-depth plot summary about this movie, go back and listen to episode three where we discuss this more in-depth. We do discuss it in the first half of the movie, I believe, right? We talk about that before USS Indianapolis. Yeah, I think so. And that was when uh, the podcast was probably even more obnoxious. Uh, In terms of length? And yeah, length, uh, content, uh, yeah. just our existence. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, I will go on a brief refresher course here. Deadfall is rated R. The movie's very much rated R. Very rated R. Came out in 1993. This was directed by Christopher Coppola, who is Nick re- Cage's brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone there, I encourage you to Google photos of Christopher Coppola. Because um, uh, if. You're ever in an argument as to why white people should be allowed to wear do-rags? He's your argument. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he kind of looks <laughs> like he belonged to Fred's Friday. Yeah, there's I, a shirt. Of- he looks nothing like his brother. No, not a nothing not at a all. Fucking link. He looks more like um, he looks more like Brian Quimby than he does Nick Cage. Yeah. But yeah, it's more like Mayor Quimby. He's got he some. Uh, he looks more like the the lead singer of Suicidal Tendencies than he does Nick Cage. <laughs> he's uh, he's uh, um, Adam Dervitz without the dreads. No, really, though. No. I oh, mean, no, he shaved his head a while ago. Oh fuck! No, I have I stopped paying attention to him when he stopped fucking every every woman. Hot woman of the nineties. Yeah. He fucked every hot woman in the nineties. Yeah. His his dick is broke. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Christopher Coppola kind of looks like he belongs in like. West Coast Choppers or something. Hell yeah, like whereas Nick Cage just looked cool. Yeah. And yeah. especially in this movie, he looks cool as shit. And that's why one of them is behind the camera and one of them is in front of it in this instance. But, all right, this was produced by yeah. Trimark, uh, runtime of 98 minutes, budget of $10 million, and it made back $18,369, which has to be one of the lowest grossing movies that you have proof of. Yeah, that that is, in for a fact, that is the lowest one that I, where the box office gross is available for me. Which is criminal, by the way. <laughs> yeah, criminal. <laughs> this certainly deserves more than fucking rage and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so Rotten Tomato, this has a whopping zero from the critics and a 25% from the audience. And uh, Oh, I thought it was way higher than that. So even the audience doesn't really care for this movie. No. Which uh, is once again a real not. crying ass shame. Yeah, I feel like uh, just a lot of people are uh, real fucking lowlifes. Yeah. Don't understand art. And this was the not. first time I'd watched Deadfall. Like I'd heard the review from earlier, but I'd never watched Deadfall before. It's, it's... What was your first impression of it? Because it's a pretty wild movie. It's My a lot first to take impression in. when I first watched it was I was like, this is going to be like a weird sort of like noirish crime drama. And then you got fucking Kyle Reese as the main character. Yeah. It's Good directed by his brother. Nick Cage is in it. Charlie Sheen is in it for like two minutes. There are a lot of Randomly. big names in this yeah. movie. Yeah. It, it like, it's, it's so nuts. weird for something that's so like small and completely forgotten. But well, you also I think everybody have remember, it, you have to remember that two of. Francis Ford Coppola's nephews are in this movie. That's true, yeah. Or at least involved in the production of this movie at the very least. So, I mean, yeah, like, and eh, you can pull some favors every once in a while. You do. Uh, I, I mean, this was uh, right around the time when Michael Bean was doing, like, relevant movies. Yeah, uh, I, well, I mean, he spent the previous decade being in a lot of James Cameron movies. He was in Terminator. Yeah, uh, he very in, famous. He's probably his most famous role is Kyle yeah. Reese, I would imagine. Either that or Hicks from uh, Aliens. Aliens. Yeah. <gasps> That's a really good point, yeah. I, 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 I know him most as Kyle Reese when I looked him mm-hmm. up. I'm like, oh, shit, there's Kyle Reese. I think of Aliens because I, I fucking love that movie franchise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, um, and, I mean, when you... Th- the Abyss. 
Um, yeah, James Cameron, uh, <laughs> another James Cameron pick, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, but he's in a lot of flicks, which makes you want to say, you know, he really flicks uh, your bean. He <laughs> really flicks, yeah, he really flicks the Michael Bean. Yeah, so yeah, um, that's a bit of a reach, but I went for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I like it. I like where it went, but. <laughs> Uh, So just a quick plot summary. I'm not going to go through this in depth. This is a one paragraph summary. There's a con man played by Michael Bean who accidentally kills his father and a con gone wrong. His father's dying words lead him to finding his uncle, his father's brother. Um, And sorry, who's played by the same actor, by the way. They're twins. But also uh, his father's dying words are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the cake. (laughs) He took the cake. (laughs) <laughs> I was laughing so fucking hard. <laughs> um, but okay, so he gets close to his uncle and begins to run cons with him as well. Uh, and but all the while, his uncle's right hand man, Eddie, played by Nicolas Cage, becomes uneasy at this new working relationship and ends up trying to kill both of them. But he gets killed instead. Finally, Michael Bean and his uncle try to run one last big con with some diamonds and a wonderful character named Dr. Lime. Um, (laughs) But everything goes south, and it turns out that this was all one big long con played by Michael Bean's father, who is not dead, and it was played onto Michael Bean's uncle and Dr. Lime. Uh, Bean is very upset by this, understandably, and he decides to not con people i think is the point of the yeah he's he's and, like i I'm, I'm gonna make i'm gonna go straight now like i'm not gonna deal with this fucking shit and then the movie ends yeah which by the way was dr lime was that the guy with the fucking weird gold claw thing yes <laughs> that was dr lime i uh my favorite character that i knew nothing about going into the film initially the first time now i mean and also don't forget charlie sheen is a pool pool master yeah it's it's crazy because you get two-thirds of the way through this movie and you get like a, an infinite amount of great cage moments and then suddenly he dies and the movie takes this weird turn where you're in a pool hall with fucking charlie sheen <laughs> and some <laughs> some makeshift bond villain with a claw scissor yeah, arm yeah. thing he is like dead ass just like the epitome of a, a weird camp bond villain from like the Wa- yeah. roger moore era yeah he's got like a mechanical arm he's got a crazy name like uh, dr, dr. live he's literally dressed just like blofeld and, you know and there's so many fucking, amazing oh, yeah. scenes all my favorite scenes though do involve nick cage freaking out mm-hmm. and if you don't mind i'm gonna reenact my favorite nick cage moment in this movie okay Oh, don't try to kill me, man! <laughs> yeah, and that was perfect. Um, and also, I love the scene where he gets he gets told that Michael Bean's character like faked the fifteen hundred dollars. He's ah, like, yes. oh, he's, oh, he's gonna fucking take your place. He's gonna steal your woman. And this like, big old black guy just starts laughing at him. He's like, what the fuck are you gonna say to me? And then he takes a, some random guy's drink, throws it in his face, and there's, a, there's a, a woman dancing on stage with her fucking tits out. It's a great scene. Yeah. And then he just screams the word fuck for 10 seconds. Fuck! Which, yeah. by the way, I don't, Which, know, oh. I don't know if you know, but that scene, by the way, was the inspiration roughly 15 years later for the Rage comic Fall Guy Face. Oh, oh shit. I didn't you know, know that. that. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, that, that whole scene's amazing. And then, of course, the legendary scene. Guy bumps into Oh, wait, him. hold on. Before we move on, though, yeah. I wanted to say a little Easter egg that I didn't notice initially. When he's yelling fuck into the air, mm-hmm. there's a guy sitting on the table who has yep. the word fuck on a I t-shirt. I noticed that, yeah. <laughs> that I, didn't, I didn't even see that until this time I watched I it. I noticed movie. that when I watched it. I'm like, wait, what? And then he bumps, he, he he bumps into a guy. 
Oh, yeah. And then he's like, hey, watch it, buddy. And Nick Cage beats the fuck out of him. He goes, hi, fucking Yada! <laughs> slaps the shit out of his back. God, yeah. That whole scene, easily one of the best scenes of any movie I've ever seen. Like, if that movie was this whole movie, it'd be, like, in my top ten favorite films of all yes. time. He is truly incredible in this movie. And then uh, also the scene where he's fighting um, Kyle Reese and then he gets his face shoved into a deep fryer and gets his face fried off. Like, yeah. the fuck? He gets his uh, face melted off, which is uh, the gateway to him being replaced by Charles Sheen. Mm-hmm. So. And then also, let's be honest, the scene where he's in the room with his girl for a fiance, wife, whatever, and yeah. he just starts freaking like, someone's trying to kill me, man! Mm-hmm. And then he's like, he's like, oh! Oh! and he starts humping the bed. How could you not fucking know that? Yeah. What about fucking retard, man? What about fucking retard? He's just saying what saying with his little nephew friend. Well, let me tell you what, people love fucking friends. It's just so amazing. And then uh, I love when he like tries to like grab her because he's like fucking wild or whatever. And then he's like, I bet you didn't expect me tonight. <laughs> and then she just pulls out the gun on him with her line. She's like, listen, I would just love for an opportunity to blow you away. And I'm like, listen. You can't have that performance and then Nick Cage's fucking performance immediately before that. Yeah. You cannot. You need to do better. Yeah, you you got to step up your game a little bit there. But and then, Cage uh, is fucking iconic in this movie. I also love the scene where he's sitting in uh the the uncle whatever his seat or whatever and he pulls out the gun like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "Fucking kill me. What's the fucking card there? Cuz let me tell you what, Joker's wild." <laughs> it's just Yeah, see, he carries around a deck of cards uh and uh I was, I was gonna say offers to do card tricks, but sometimes forcibly does card tricks. <laughs> He's like, pick uh, a card, yeah, fuck it, pick a card. He, uh, it's, it's his weird, uh, weird thing, and uh, it is his thing. I don't know why it's a thing, but I, I also, you also have nice... to admit his hair in this movie is phenomenal. Oh yeah, his hair, his, his mustache. Toupee? He did his own wardrobe for this. They it let him wear t- whatever I he forgot wanted. Forgot it was a toupee, and you find out he's bald just before he yeah. gets his yeah. fucking face stuck in the deep fried. Uh, one thing I got to say that I don't think I mentioned in the other one is I realized the way he talks in this one, he's basically talking without moving his jaw all the time, which to me implies he's on a lot of amphetamines. Well, I definitely of, noticed I mean, yeah. that when he's when he's in the scene with the bar and he's talking about, you know, you're telling me he didn't get my fucking money. Like he does like that. Yeah. Like, Who sent you? Who sent you? <laughs> uh, my, uh, I, I'm just going to go through some of my favorite Cajun lines in this movie. Uh, that's not very sociable behavior, friend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the way he says friend, too. Yeah, friend. I can't do it justice. You gotta just look up his It is an incredible up. performance. Um, There are many super cuts of uh, the classic scenes from this movie, so I suggest uh, yeah. finding one if you don't Unfortunately, his death scene and the last scene that he's in where he's threatening Lou at gunpoint, you can't really find that on YouTube for some reason. No, you really can't. I, I found the one uh, uh, where he's threatening his girlfriend, wife, or whatever. I found the one, of course, where he's in the bar screaming fucking high fucking yawn all that mm-hmm. and i think that's about it you can find on youtube easily but yeah um that's not very social behavior friend uh fucking fucker fuck um and then just regular fuck oh yeah um also mommy mommy <laughs> we'll go home soon mommy we'll go home soon <laughs> god and, uh, and just high I, fucking yeah classic i can't reiterate how well, i've never seen someone yell the word fuck that long with sustained tone involved <laughs> it's an impressive he, he has it quite a vocal range fuck. yeah because he literally there's like no there's no like voice breaking no nothing it is just a perfect 10 seconds of fuck it's honestly, uh, there are dozens of 
active vocalists for bands who could not pull that off. Uh, yeah, no. I do want to say it's a sleeper line that not everybody notices, I think, but it, it is my favorite cage line in the movie. That last scene where he's tying Lou up yeah. and he gets murdered, that's where it occurs. He yells, you want to fuck? You want to fuck? We fuck now. <laughs> that is that is still my favorite. It, <laughs> we fuck now. We fuck now. I mean, my favorite line is one of my fucking retard people of France. That's my favorite line. <laughs> Uh, we fuck now uh, is a pickup line that has worked for me uh, consistently for 15 years. It's your version of the naked man. Yeah. Um, some other things I want to say about this movie that aren't related necessarily directly to Cage, but I noticed this time because this time I was able to watch more freely and I wasn't taking notes about the plot and stuff. The camera work on this has this weird kind of soap opera ish quality to it's it. It's really like, bad. It looks like it's filmed at a higher frame rate than normal movies are usually, and um. Come to think of it, the whole story does kind of have a sort of soap opera quality to it. It really does. Even yeah, in the, it, the audio production. The, the lighting really is also very, like, stereotypically early 90s, like, low budget. Mm-hmm. It's The production is very strange in this movie. It it's, is. It's soap opera-y to the point w- that oh. it makes me think that this is the only movie that Tommy Wiseau saw before creating The Room. You know what this <laughs> movie like, like really awkward. looks like it was filmed like? It looks like it's filmed like a Charles Band full moon movie. <laughs> you ever watch like Puppet Master or like a oh, David Dakota I film? I actually haven't seen Puppet Master. It, it looks like a David Dakota film. Like the <laughs> the lighting and acting and like filmmaking really reminds me of like a full moon like or or like a David Dakota film, like it's really fucking weird looking. It's it's almost just like uncanny valley shit sometimes. Yeah, especially uh, when his like face is all melted. Yeah, like that <laughs> that scene is literally like st- straight out of a full moon or David Dakota movie. Like it's fucking straight oh, on. And uh, one thing I'm still very confused by is the bearded man who attacks Cage that we never get a proper in- explanation. I think he's for. I think he's just a random hitman or something. Yeah, that I feel like maybe looking back on it. Maybe he was hired by Michael Bean's father, the uh, the one who died, oh, to like pops. just kind of set off. Yeah, yeah because obviously, um, well, that thing is also Michael Bean is obviously much more effective. I mean, much more effective. He fakes a lot of it, of course, but mm-hmm. but like Nick Cage is just objectively in this movie is just not. He's bad at what he does. He's hyper violent. He's not very like discreet. Mm-hmm. He's a fucking wild card. Yeah. He, he can't be trusted to be able to keep all these secrets, so he's got to go eventually. And he's like, oh, might as well just hire somebody to kill this guy. And also, I loved that, where he took the bearded guy after he's trying to choke him with the piano wire. It just takes his face, just slams it with the fucking door. Yeah. Doesn't he cut his throat, too? Yeah, he yeah. slits his throat. And gets blood all over his car. You, you revealed something to me, because I remember when he says, uh, I thought he said, uh, who, fucking yeah. power. who, um... Who sent you? And he says, I thought he said Sam fucking Beckenfall, but you said Peckinpah, who is a British director from the 70s. No, he's an American director, but he did a movie in Brit. Oh, okay. So apparently he was being <laughs> sly uh, in making a reference. So I guess this is for film geeks. Considering yeah, he's, he's making Coppola a reference family. to the director of Straw Dogs. <laughs> this movie tries to be pretentious, but it fails miserably at it. <laughs> Straw dog is one letter away from how, uh, sorry, two letters away from how I prefer sex. <laughs> That's very fair, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, too, Charlie Sheen's very interesting in this movie. He's got crazy eyebrows and a glove. That's and he really doesn't have that much of a performance. He's a very like very even toned Charlie Sheen performance. Yeah, he doesn't really do much at all. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm not really sure of. I guess I should have looked this up, but I don't know where Charlie Sheen is at in his career at this point. Uh, because it's, yeah, it's just a very strange, like... He at least had that Ferris Bueller cameo. 
Um, yeah, and this is this is probably what like fourteen seasons into Two and a Half Men. So yeah, uh, nineteen ninety three. In fact, I don't know if you know, but um, Two and a Half Men came out in nineteen seventy eight originally. That's yeah, it started, so. um, yeah, it started on the Tracy Ullman show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, All right, so uh, this movie came out the same year as The Three Musketeers and two years after Hot Shots. So that's where Charlie Sheen was in his career. Okay. And he was, let's see here, he was many years away from marrying Denise Richards. So he was definitely not at a good point in his career. Yeah, he was working his way up to fucking Denise Richards. This was years, I think it was years before he got HIV, if I'm not mistaken. I think he actually got HIV on the set of this film, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, probably in that pool hall. Yeah. Yeah, in, in this movie, um... Hot Shots Part 2, Three Musketeers, and Loaded Weapon 1 came out the same year as Deadfall. Loaded Weapon 1. The first, <laughs> yes. It's, sometimes you rent that by accident and, uh, instead of lethal. <laughs> yeah. But I like that it's a loaded weapon, too, because it's not that rules out a sword, rules out a knife. <laughs> right. And I believe like, this was also five year, uh, well, let me think. Because when did Lost Boys come out? 87? 87, I think. Okay, so this yeah. was six years after he raped Corey Haim, too. So it was definitely a rough part of his career. Yeah, and so you think he'd be more famous now. You know, we talk about Brian Singer. No one ever talks about Charlie Sheen. Corey Haim did. Charlie Sheen's a pretty fucked dude. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he literally did anally rape Corey Haim when he was 13 and Charlie Sheen was 19. So I was not aware of that. Viciously anally raped Corey Haim. Oh, God. Well, Charlie Sheen, great guy. By the way, trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, has he been canceled? I don't know. I like, think uh, I think Charlie Sheen is one of those celebrities that's uncancelable. Yeah, because like back in the nineties, um, you ever heard of the guinea pig? We're talking blood. about guinea pig and G Force, right? You ever heard of the guinea pig films? No. So the guinea pig it's... films were faux Japanese snuff films that were made in the style of snuff films, but they were all fake. And Charlie Sheen watched one of them because he was. He was on a literally he was on a, a film like marathon of snuff films and he found one. He's like, oh, this one definitely real. So I'm going to call the FBI just so they know that this is a real snuff film. Is this the plot of eight millimeter? This is <laughs> no, this is legitimately what happened. This is an actual real story. So he called the FBI about a fake snuff film because he's like, oh, this is oh, this definitely feels like a real snuff film. I got to tell the FBI about this. It's a <laughs> real thing that actually happened. Oh, I did damn. not know that. Yeah, It's a film called The Flowers of Flesh and Blood as a film that he watched. Wow, I, I mean, they, which is also, by the way, the great name of like a Midwest emo band somewhere, Flowers of Flesh and Blood. Yeah, that's gotta exist. That's gotta be like an '80s goth band or something. Like yeah. <laughs> the, the the in-flight movie selection on Epstein's jet was just yeah. uh, not not great. So yeah, no, Charlie Sheen is one of the probably the least cancelable celebrities. That's true. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, mean, he literally gave hookers it, HIV on purpose, and he still hasn't been canceled. God. <laughs> Yeah, it's and that's and why this has he come up multiple wins times the internet this his week. career, like many yeah. times. Yeah, man. loves watching fucking snuff films, raped a teenager when he was an adult. Basically, like watched child porn with Denise Richards in the same room. Was like, "Fuck you, bitch! I'm not gonna not watch child porn." Gave hookers HIV on purpose and is a juggalo, and he hasn't been canceled. Okay, I don't <laughs> know. He's, he's a, a juggalo. juggalo. You know, so he's an actual juggalo. I'm saving the worst for last. <laughs> All right, Jimmy, would you rather be like? A rapist, snuff film loving HIV haver, or would you rather be a juggalo? Um, I will uh, give you my answer off the air. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, look, I can't stand for that much insulting of juggalos. They get enough shit already, but I know, they and they deserve all of it. It's <laughs> it's hack to to make fun of juggalos now, but um, you know, uh, sometimes <laughs> I will say, thankfully, Nick Cage was not. 
13 years old in this movie because Charlie Sheen would have raped him off camera. So. Yeah. Or on camera. Who the fuck? I, I Charlie know. Sheen is such a fucking psychopath that he probably would have done it on camera if if, uh, if his brother would have asked for it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, this movie's fucking awesome. I loved it. It is pretty awesome. I will At say, though, the after... First half. I was going to say, yeah, definitely after Nick Cage dies, the movie falls apart pretty quick. I will say Dr. Lime is funny. Dr. Lime that, is pretty crazy. Other than that, it's pretty boring for yeah. the last, like, 30, 40 minutes of this movie. But uh, a masterwork from the Dr. Cage, yeah. Also, by the way, Nick Cage's girlfriend, wife, fiance, or whatever, fucking banging. Mm-hmm. She, she, can, she can get it in this movie. Yeah, I saw her um, boobs, actually, in, when I was watching the movie. Yeah, dude. She is very, very beautiful. Um... And Michael oh, Bean can flick that so... bean. <laughs> and he is fucking ripped as hell, yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. When you have to survive a robot apocalypse, you're going to be ripped as fuck. And yet, strangely, yeah. these two attractive people have the least attractive sex scene I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, really. they, they, I, they I've seen some less attractive sex scenes. They don't that. have a ton of chemistry, but... Uh, I mean, have you, ever watched the sex scenes? have you ever watched the sex scenes in the room? Okay, yes. Okay. Where, they, where they reuse... I was actually fucking a girl's belly button. Mm -hmm. I was actually going to kind of compare this to the sex scenes in the room almost because it's it's very awkward, long drawn out and not very. At least he fucks what is basically the right hole. Yeah, it's true. He He doesn't pump her belly button. Yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, uh, I one thing that I do think is funny in the sex scene is that while she's getting naked and they're doing like a montage, they have her overdubbing and saying, I don't sleep with Eddie. And he says. Well, that's nice to know. And it feels <laughs> so, it's so good. It feels so fucking out of place too. Like, who it's, even says that? By the way, that, that is a line that has existed in every single like cuckold like porn yeah, of all time. It, it has, I, I don't fuck my husband. It's like eh, that's good to know, bitch. It, it has to your pussy. appeal to the male fantasy, uh, yeah. and so they yeah. they were like, uh, <laughs> it's it's not. It's not that toxic enough. Yeah, movies like appeal to the male fantasy and they just show the deadfall scene of them fucking. <laughs> oh, that's good. God. I, I do love his response to that too. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> what would have been really funny is if you would have said, guess... like, you said, like, damn, that shit sucks, fam. Like, that would have been. <laughs> like, damn. Trapped in a he, loveless marriage. There's honestly reacts... a lot of choice quotes in this movie. It's he reacts, uh, like she just said, uh, yeah, my dad is out of town for the weekend if you want to. Uh, come over and have sex at my house. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good to know. Yeah, that's cool, dude. <laughs> Fuck yeah. But yeah, um, that's kind of everything I have to say about Deadfall again at this point. I mean, I'm sure I could go on for a lot more because I really do love Cage's performance in this movie. It's it, it's wonderful. I really wish he had died at the very end. Yes, if if this movie had been entirely him and his character, um. I think we would have found our winner. <laughs> and I honestly don't, even though I really do like Nick Cage, in this, and he's by far the best part of this movie, I really do think he should not have been the main character. I wanted him to be the antagonist. Oh, yeah. Because I want, at the end of the day, I do want, I did want him to die just because, like, of course, he would have a, and he did have a fantastic death in this movie. Mm-hmm. And by and, the way, you know what's really funny, too, is that during a lot of the violent scenes in this movie, I love that they played, like, the fucking Friday 13th sting. It was exactly the Friday 13th stage. So like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was. Ex- I'm like, did they just steal that from the guy who did that like, from Friday 13th? Like, I just, it's just on the dot. It was not copywritten yet. Uh, so they, uh, they did fleece that. And that's from- thing, like in Gone in 60 Seconds, during the hacking or whatever the- like thing, they had the-, the song from the Yu Gi Oh anime. So, right. of course, in this movie, they had to have something from Friday 13th. So, and I've, what, Overall, I think the most um, important thing to note 
about this movie is that without its existence, you wouldn't have the uh, just classic film Arsenal. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, uh, you wouldn't have Arsenal, which uh, is a movie that I definitely have watched and I rem- remember the earlier review from this show. 100%. I didn't forget it at all. Let me tell you one thing. If you got a grenade, <laughs> that's an Arsenal, baby. <laughs> A grenade is 80% of an arsenal. Uh, a flashbang, actually, too. Yes. Um, an arsenal is one man and one flashbang. Hell yeah, dude. And a pistol. And <laughs> He's got a pistol. Um, also, if it weren't for this movie, uh, the writer of the film Green Book would not have, uh, you know, gotten yeah, some of his early honestly. writing. Wait, wait. The guy who wrote the Green Book wrote this movie? Yes. yes it was written this... by Christopher Coppola and Nick Vallelonga, who wrote Green Book. The man who wrote this movie has... An Oscar for Best Picture. By the way, you know, that's really funny because I remember I was watching the YouTube comments of Nick Cage's freakouts and someone said they should put underneath this Oscar award winner, Nick Cage. So you can do Oscar award winner and Oscar award winning writer. Exactly. Uh, That would be, and just having the scene where he's freaking out to that girl and just have both uh, two time Oscar award winning people worked on this movie. Yes. How many, how many Oscars have just touched this movie and would it's it's worth a documentary yeah, so did Peter she Fondas. never get nominated for mm. did michael bean probably not i, I, don't I don't, i'm not did. sure um i feel like uh James michael coburn i mean he i feel like he was in a million movies and maybe he got nominated for an oscar in the time about hollywood where i don't really pay attention to oscars um <laughs> but i will say are we ready to do the countdown oh yeah I think we can move on to the countdown now. I agree. Um, so, Dave, would you like to do the countdown? Do you mean I took all these fucking notes for nothing? Oh, oh, yeah, oh no, shit. shit. We got to hear the notes. Right. Go oh, ahead, yeah. Dave. We you don't give a fuck about me. I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize. Dave, do you have uh, a summary for us? You're goddamn right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finally, after months since Rudy Gobert's COVID-19 diagnosis set the NBA back on pause... The Milwaukee Bucks return playing a live, real live game against the San Antonio Spurs and emerge victorious, one thirteen to ninety two. I think the cat farted. <laughs> nice. You think I'm up here doing something useful? Oh, in the. I'm sorry. There was a bad. Sm- the cat took a shit. No, it was me. I'm sorry. I took a shit on the floor. <laughs> oh, on the floor? No, I took a shit on the floor. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have IBS, like Dave had at one point. Uh, for the listener at home, uh, during Dave's summary, we were all trying to figure out why it smelled like a fucking turd in this room. Did, is it just coming from there? Uh, it smells it like actually, shit. <laughs> Somebody took a shit um, in the past two minutes. And, it was me, I'm sorry guys. I made a big poop. That's the thing though, I should have worn the huggies from Raising Arizona. Wait, Wait what the fuck is good? The cat took smell a the shit? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Legitimately, like... is there a thing around here that I need to clean up? That is what I, I need to know. I don't know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is definitely getting it to the director's somebody, cut. Somebody pooped. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. We missed most of your summary about Rudy Gobert. Um, Bucks won. Hell yeah. Bucks hell yeah. and six. Bucks and six, baby. Um, Bucks won. Uh, somebody shit. And, uh, All right. So I will say, Dave, would you like to do the countdown? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, three, two, two one. one. Red Red Arizona. What? 
Did you say? I said Raising Arizona. I said Raising Arizona. Yeah. Mm, I said Deadfall, you pussy. <laughs> All right, oh, so sorry. two to one. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, to quote um, some of the famous reviewers, uh, Deadfall is pretty good for the lols. And uh, I will say you totally... Fr- oh, you probably did reviews of Deadfall in the original. Uh, it was actually hard to find reviews of Deadfall that weren't just like, meme movie, haha, it's uh, m- m- memes. So... I was going to say if you had any fresh reviews. From yeah, I, I mean, I grabbed a few, but literally one of them says, this is the definition of random. And then one of them is literally just a link to somebody's MySpace blog from 2008. So that's <laughs> definitely still up. That was that had not been deleted when MySpace, like, fucking turned to just musical. Yeah. So well, but yeah. I will say Raising Arizona did win this episode. Raising Arizona did win. Uh, it did pain me a little bit to see Deadfall get eliminated this early on in the bracket. And yeah, which is why you should, probably should have voted for it. Because, uh, <laughs> but you do also have to remember that Raising Arizona is literally the number one seed. So it has to get at least through one episode. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a great disservice to the bracket, um, the bullshit that you guys just pulled. But uh... <laughs> Look, I love Deadfall. It was probably my favorite thing to come out of round one. But let's face it, objectively, Raising Arizona is a much better film. Yeah, objectively, but like, if you're some fucking Costco membership film hipster. Yeah, Costco membership Walmart beer drinking hipster. Yeah, um, and me, uh, you know, I like movies that are like me. Real. But either way, Raising Arizona does move on to the bracket. It moves on in the bracket. It's fine. Uh, And what is the next one? In the next episode, we'll be discussing Snowden. And Lord of War. Now, talk about Snowden. Is it literally about Edward Snowden? Yes. Oh, oh, no, oh yeah, dude. I'm in. I thought this. it was a, about a guy who like couldn't get out of his driveway because. Yeah, he's snowed. like, dead. yeah, he got snowed in. Yeah. It's it's a film adaptation of that town in Undertale. Nobody else play I that. I knew no one would get it. And I still <laughs> said it. Hey, listen, I can. Um, I do a Whitney Wisconsin reference if somebody gets it, but yeah, somebody's yeah. an Undertale. If reference. you can reference a dog fucker, I'll get that on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, uh, that's all we got for you this week. Uh, join us next week uh, or two weeks. How, whenever we fucking release this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll week. come out. You'll it'll, be listening to it. It'll come out. I've got to go deal with the smell. Y'all have a good one. Uh, bye-bye. See ya. Taylor signing off. Uh, bye. Now I gotta fucking go down there, but I think the cat shit, so now I'm... It's hot in here. This has been a solid work production. Solid work. Solid work. Uh, Solid work. Hey, solid solid work. work.